This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. So I'm late. That's all right. Typical Manny. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> hi, how you doing? Hey, Manny, how are you? Not bad, not bad. Uh, thank you for joining us. I'm still going through your book. So, oh, cool. Yeah. Thanks for having me. No, thanks for coming on. Uh, Wayne, have we started? Where I'm going to start at? right now. I'm going to put the intro on and we'll be right back. All right, do it. All right, all right. Welcome to Rat Salad Review. Manny, I just realized uh, I should probably change that intro every time we do a show and it's on like maybe me or you or, you know, I should get rid of some of those other guys. You should, but uh, <laughs> I don't want to be a puppet. So anyway. No, I'm going to work on a puppet for you, actually. So be ready. It's pretty scary the way I look now. Anyway, <laughs> go ahead and introduce the guest. Welcome to Rat Salad Review. And today we are joined by William Irwin, uh, uh, who's not only a philosopher, uh, philosophy professor at the King's College, but you're also uh, the originator of the philosophy of popular culture book genre. And uh, you wrote an endless amount of books. I'm like looking up all your books that you've written and, and the list just goes on and on and on. <laughs> but to name a few, um, the philosophy of the Simpsons, the Matrix, Seinfeld. I want to talk about Seinfeld for a second. And uh, the Batman <laughs> and uh, the latest book, The Meaning of Metallica, Ride the, uh, Ride the Lyrics. So, hey, thanks for having me, Wayne and Manny. Good to be talking with you guys. Yes, yeah, so welcome. Thank you for Thank coming you on the show. Yeah. yeah, pleasure. Uh, yeah, I want to talk about the the, uh, the Seinfeld thing. How big of a uh, Seinfeld fan were you? I mean, obviously, you must have been a big fan to write the book about it. But uh... yeah, I mean, I couldn't claim to be necessarily uh, the world's biggest Seinfeld fan, but I was certainly a devoted fan. And the way that book came about is I was I was teaching philosophy it first got started in the late 1990s and that was you know, Seinfeld was incredibly hot everybody knew it it was smart and you know observational and I could mention uh, a character like Kramer or a plot twist like do the opposite and uh, kids would know what I was talking about so I could use that as a bridge uh, into something that I was talking about with Plato or Aristotle and you know, it worked in the, in the classroom. And then when the show was going off the air, uh, I knew some of my, uh, my fellow uh, philosophy professor friends were doing the same kind of thing. And we sort of memorialized it in a book, Seinfeld and Philosophy. So most of those books you just named, I didn't uh, write the whole thing myself. They're sort of uh, edited collections with a whole bunch of people contributing. And I'm sort of the ringleader uh behind it and uh yeah so that's how the whole thing got started oh, very cool uh did you ever hear about the alternate like uh and maybe like an ending of like what could have happened at seinfeld did you ever hear about that 
I'm, I'm not sure I did. Yeah. Uh, a, a different end. I mean, uh, they did it on Curb Your Enthusiasm. Yeah, uh, no, this is like, you remember in, in the last episode where like the, the plane was going down, but then the, the pilot got, you know, Oh, right. Back under right. Control. So, I mean, I've heard it said, well, maybe they're really dead. Is, yes, is that yes, the that there. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I thought that was very interesting. Uh, if, you know, uh, if they were all ended up all being like really dead because that, that whole thing about them getting arrested for, uh, you know, not helping that guy was, you know, so ridiculous. It, it was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and it, the, the dead one actually has a kind of a fun uh, philosophical connection uh, in that uh, the philosopher Jean-Paul Sartre is known for saying that hell is other people. Uh, and uh, there's this play, No Exit, where, you know, it turns out there are no devils or pokers or flames. It's just being stuck for eternity with other people who drive you crazy. Right. Uh, and, you know, that, that could be sort of what you see uh, beginning uh, at the very end when, uh, you know, George is, uh, I, I forget what the, the issue George raises at the very end is, but it sort of takes them back to the beginning. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. and they're just going to annoy each other in jail there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I missed that. Show. I wish it would have ended on a better note, but uh, it is what it is. But uh, today we're going to talk about the meaning of Metallica. A uh, really cool book. I mean, you how you go um, in the beginning of the book. You tell you talk about like when you went uh, got involved with Metallica, not involved, but um, listening to Metallica, and it was around like the EP, the, the five ninety eight EP. No, I, I'll go back before that. I, I, oh, before I, that, all right. I, I then claim I in there that, that I I bought the five ninety eight EP before okay. five ninety eight. Right. Uh, but my my first album uh, was Ride the Lightning. My buddy oh, okay. Joe had bought it before I did in you know like 84 and uh taped it for me and i got into it from there and uh yeah uh so i, I don't go all the way back to the beginning like these people who uh <laughs> saw them play with mustaine in some small club in san francisco but you know i go back a good ways and uh you know they've really been an important part of my life soundtrack of my life uh, ever since then right all right I don't know if you ever saw the episode because you said you did watch a couple of ours, but it, yeah. actually this is probably maybe like two years ago. We had a guy on. Um, he actually worked with Lars at the very early stages of Metallica, like all oh. the um, the No Life to Leather, you know, passing all those tapes around and stuff like that. He worked with him during that whole thing. So you should go back and, and uh, try to find it. I think yeah, I'll, I'll take a look. I'm always uh, you know interested in hearing uh, yeah. those kind of stories. And yeah, it no, really was. was you know, that, that's back to the days of like secret knowledge where right. there's no internet and you have to know somebody who knows somebody. And uh, I mean, just finding something was a cool discovery in those days. Yeah. yeah the, the days of uh, tape trading, which yeah, yes. sadly gone. Now we just trade MP3s but, right. uh, or streams right. or whatever. But uh, yeah, it, it was really cool to have him on. But uh, yeah, so I, I really like the the book. Um, a lot of stuff. Uh, I like the... the um, the, the stories that are more personal to like James, I like how, you know, you get into that stuff, you know, um, Manny, what do you, what do you think about the book? I enjoyed the book quite a bit, um, actually. And I agree with him. Like um, I was just, before we came on, I was reading the chapter on religion, uh, leopard Messiah. And what the other one was a little more fantasy oriented was, um, God, well, it's off to ride the lightning. What is the name of that damn song? Um, Creeping Death. Uh, yeah, it's, thank it's, you, Creeping uh, Death. Yeah, yeah, which I found interesting that you had pointed out that the mist was more influenced by C.C. Uh, Cecil DeBille's depiction of it than actually the biblical, you know, <laughs> you know, uh, 
account of it. Um, I found that interesting, but I agree. I found the more personal stuff about Hetfield's life and how he put it into his lyrics more than, um, you know, say Creeping Death. I mean, I love Creeping Death, but you know, it's a little different. Mm -hmm. So I agree with him. Um, what I was going to ask you was, this is your second book on Metallica. Why Metallica? Why, you know, why them and not? Because usually when people examine lyrics, it's usually Bob Dylan and Lou Reed. Nothing against those guys. I'm a huge fan. But heavy metal is not usually afforded the respect for the lyrics. Um, sometimes rightfully so. But Metallica and Megadeth, I dare say, have very smart lyrics and testament. Anyway, that was my first question to you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, th thanks for that. I appreciate you guys reading the book and, and uh, just uh, doubling back on what you were saying, the stuff about Hetfield personally. I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I try to bring that in as best I can where we know uh, stories behind why he is writing about something, particularly like his religious upbringing as a strict uh, Christian scientist that informed his, uh, his background uh, in writing uh, creeping death and then the movie tie-in etc uh, but yeah I don't know I mean uh, if, if I were born uh, 10 or 20 years earlier uh, I'm, I'm sure that it would have been a, a different group that was speaking to me it would have to be whether it's Dylan or, or Lou Reed or, or whoever it might be uh, but you know uh, the, the music that first spoke to me was uh, was metal and uh, so even before Metallica it was Ozzy and Sabbath and Maiden and Priest and bands like that. And uh, here in Metallica, you know, in 84, they were not only faster and heavier, but in some ways deeper, lyrically deeper. And uh, so, uh, you know what it's like at, uh, at a young age when, when something makes a big impression on you, it, it tends to stick. And uh, so it, it, it's always stuck with me. And it, it's hard for me to be objective uh, about Metallica and you know other bands as well. I'm a fan first and foremost, and I don't really pretend in the book uh, to be writing it uh, primarily as some kind of a scholar or objective right. critic. I'm, I'm a fan, and uh, you know the uh, the lyrics uh, have always spoken to me and been therapy and poetry to me. Uh, and uh, you know I think I'm not alone in that. And, uh, so some of the stuff is, is, like I said, generational and the baby boom generation really just has, has lorded it over, uh, you know, every generation younger uh, since, I mean, I've been alive. Uh, you know, it seems to, to continue that way in some ways, although, you know, we're starting to uh, get a, a little bit more uh, uh, attention uh, and input. So some of it's generational. But a lot of it is uh, is a kind of a elitism and snobbery too. I think, right? Metal, absolutely. You yeah, know, absolutely. metal gets its nose. You know, people look their nose down on metal as, as you know, dumb Beavis and Butthead type music, and you know, we're just a bunch of cave dwelling troglodytes or whatever. And uh, so, even even people who will grudgingly admit, oh, I guess Metallica is a good band. Uh, if they're not fans, uh, if they're fans of other kinds of music, uh, they tend uh, to think that, well, it's just silly that you would take their lyrics uh, seriously. So I guess I'm, you know, you mentioned second book on Metallica. I guess I'm a man on a mission in a certain kind of way to, uh, to give uh, Metallica the kind of attention they deserve and uh, make the point that uh, serious people should take uh, Metallica's lyrics seriously. Fair enough. 
Um, I'm 52, so I'm probably the same age you are. Yeah, I, yeah, same age, man. You got yeah. more hair than I do, though. It's good. <laughs> but um, I discovered Metallic about 84. But when I first discovered them, I wasn't looking at the lyrics. I just liked the way they sounded. And then when I got older, I spent, well, only two years later, Master of Puppets, I noticed the lyrics had slightly changed. I mean, I like Kill Em All. I still love that album, but no, it's not that deep, at least from what you know, and I, me and Wayne were talking about it earlier. St. Anger is not my favorite album by them. Actually, it's my least favorite. Yeah. But lyrically, that thing is a minefield of, I mean, that's got to be a psychiatrist's wet dream. I mean, <laughs> the, the lyrics on that thing. Yeah. But anyway, I just noticed how, and also Socially Conscious, which we'll get into on the next album, Injustice for All, and then he got more personal as it as time went on with the black album. Anyway, I just find that interesting. So me and Wayne were talking about that earlier. Yeah, no, I think I think you're right to make all those observations. I mean, there's real progression uh, in terms of not not just songwriting and, and music, but the lyrics across the uh, the albums and, and even Kill 'Em All, which you know you and I both love. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of uh, fantasy and, uh, you know, Phantom Lord and the Four Horsemen and that kind of thing. And uh, for that kind of thing, it's done very well. And it, and it, you know, it avoids really over the top silliness and cliches. But the, uh, the, the progress by the time you get to Ride the Lightning with songs like Fade to Black and For Whom the Bell Tolls and Creeping Death, you know, is just amazing. And then onto master of puppets with all the themes of manipulation and then as you mentioned more socially conscious uh on the justice album and then more personal really in the albums uh that, that come after that from black album to load uh you know to even saint anger as you mentioned yeah I, I think it's a very interesting progression also Looking back, I mean, some of the things I liked back then wouldn't be considered metal today. I still like it, I, but, you know, ACDC, Alice Cooper, etc. It's amazing. Now these bands are respected for the very things that they were damned for when I was a kid. You know, you know, ACDC single-mindedness, Alice Cooper's silly stage. All this stuff now is now praised yeah. when I was a kid. It was damned. Um Wayne, do you have a question before I get to my next one on the book? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, you seem to like St. Anger a lot. Manny or, Manny or me? No, you, Bill. Yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't mind it. Um, I don't hate it as, uh, yeah. as much as most people do. It's probably the album that I listen to the least. But I think it has value. Uh, yeah. I, I think... They've done a nice job in uh, in retooling all within my hands. They've done sort of acoustic and symphony versions of that, uh, and and that's a song uh, that's really very personally self-reflective uh, on Hetfield's part about the way in which uh, I mean it's sort of a continuation of King Nothing with the sort of King mm -hmm. Midas theme of you know you're you're hurting uh, what's closest to you and what you're touching and you know you can see in uh, all within my hands. Uh, uh, you know what Manny mentioned psychoanalysis of the of that album I mean uh Hetfield's father was very controlling uh not to say necessarily abusive and uh that's the the sort of way in which uh Hetfield adopted dealing with people close to him and people he loved whether you know family friends bandmates that sort of thing and mm -hmm. uh you see some real uh some real personal reflection and uh, admission of 
of a problem there. Yeah, yeah I think that's the, the most uh, he's ever really gotten very poetic. Uh, you know, like uh, I just think it's he's it's more of himself on this on that Saint Anger album. I just wish that album was put together a lot better. You know, Cause oh, I, yeah, because yeah, I think, yeah. I mean, I like <laughs> I, I like the album, but I like it. I like it more. I don't know. Musically, it stands out for all the wrong reasons in a way because I can't believe yeah. they spent so much money on the production of that. Right. But I like it the fact because it's so naked emotionally. I remember when they got together with Lou Reed, everyone was kind of surprised, but I, I was surprised too, but musically, not really. St. Anger is the closest those guys will ever get to the Velvet Underground, and I'm not comparing Metallica to the Velvet Underground, you know, but I'm just saying how the Velvet Underground's first few albums were sometimes noise for the sake of noise, you know, despite what Lou Reed would have told you if he was still around. Um, you know, and I think sort of Metallica was more concerned about the emotional content than what the um, to get a precise sound or perfect production. And again, it's strange because it's Bob Rock, I believe, produced that right way. Right. That right. Yeah. yeah, he was even on the bass. He played bass for it, too. Oh, that's so. right. Because yeah. Newstead quit. Yeah. So anyway, I find that I found that interesting. Um, Did you, you know, ever think of uh, adding Lulu to the book? Anything from Lulu? I, I, I didn't, uh, that, that, I mean, that's uh, e even less than, uh, than saying anger. Or whatever, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, that's more of a Lou Reed vulgar thing it is. anyway. Yeah. Right. yeah. Yeah. That's, that, that's the technicality that I, uh, that I play in, uh, in, in <laughs> that. Uh, I mean, there are moments on Lou that, that I like, yeah. uh, but oh, yeah. yeah, it's hard to listen to. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I don't even know how you would even begin to start <laughs> with that one i don't know i don't know yeah i mean and those are lou reed's lyrics so. yeah, yeah, yeah that that's totally a lou reed trip um right. yeah you know, here's a question for you um you know as you were as you're writing a book you know obviously you listen to lyrics many times were there any songs or lyrics that took on more significance now that you're older than when you were a, a kid or you know first started listening to them was there anything that stood out to you that goes oh wow you know you know, because now we have more life experience of 14, you know, but we know. Yeah. yeah, so. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, there, there, are, there are songs for sure that, that I came to appreciate more and, and differently in, in working through the book. So I can say that. Uh, but my, my, uh, my, my technique for doing it, uh, for working through the various songs was, you know, I'm trying to avoid listener fatigue with these songs, many of which I've listened to hundreds or thousands of times, it's hard to even figure with some of them, right? Right. Uh, and I, I certainly didn't want to uh, ruin the, uh, uh, the band for myself uh, by, by, you know, listening to them and to the point where, where I'm sick of them and sick of this project, et cetera. You know, uh, Wayne had been asking me about Seinfeld uh, at the start of the, the broadcast. And I, I, you know, I had seen every Seinfeld episode, however many times, you know, just as a fan and then working on that book so that it probably was another 10 years after the show went off the air before I would watch it again. And yeah, I didn't want right. to do that. Uh, with Metallica. So anyway, uh, I, I, I made it, uh, my, my process was to, uh, to learn to, to sing the songs for myself. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm nobody's idea of a singer. I really can't carry a tune at all. But I found 
uh, in, uh, in learning the lyrics, memorizing so that I would sing the cappella in the shower and uh, walking the dog and, and mostly in my head uh, that I, I, you know, I understood them in a way that I didn't from simple listening. I mean, uh, you, you guys are musicians, right? And uh, you know what it's like in, in playing a song, you understand it differently than, uh, than just listening to it. And so I, I got inside some of the songs that way. And, and one that really did surprise me to finally get to uh, Manny's question uh, was The Unforgiven 2 uh, from the Load Era, uh, which, you know, I had listened to a bunch of, bunch of times, uh, but hadn't paid quite enough attention to. And uh, let me grab the book while I'm... Uh, uh, yeah, I was actually I'm amazed what you got out of that because I didn't know that that song, like he ended up killing the... Um, that person in, in that song i'm like i didn't kind of realize yeah, yeah that, that's know? the way that's the way i read it right and it had never dawned on me right so yeah it's a, it's a song about uh you know joining emotionally together with uh with a romantic partner or woman in this case right uh mm. and uh you know having some sort of uh protection against the world uh where they sort of label you and put you in a box and mistreat you but you know it's you against the world with the other person uh but it's important that the other person be true and true not just in the sense of honest uh but uh uh, but also as in romantically faithful Mm. uh and here here's the lines where where it really stands out to me uh so I won't even try to sing them. Uh, Come on, uh, go ahead. Give it a best try. No, no, no. <laughs> so, so it goes, come beside me. This won't hurt, I swear. She loves me not. She loves me still, but she'll never love again. She yeah. laid beside me, but she'll be there when I'm gone. Black yeah. heart scarring darker still. She'll be there when I'm gone. Yes, she'll be there when I'm gone. Dead sure she'll be there, right? Yeah. Uh, and then toward the end of the, the song, we get this line. I take this key. And I bury it in you because you're unforgiven too. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, I had probably sung along with the song, you know, many times sort of mindlessly, but when I was uh, really internalizing it and singing it out loud, uh, you know, it, it hit me, wow, this is uh, a darker song than I had ever realized, right? Where right. the narrator either kills the woman or is at least imagining killing the woman. Right. Yeah. Go ahead, Manny. You're saying something? No, 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 no. Uh, go ahead, Wayne. Uh, what is your favorite of Unforgiven? Because uh, a lot of people don't like the second or third one. They love that first one, uh, but I, I love the second one. I think the second one's really good. The third one gets a little kind of crazy. But what's your what's your favorite one? Yeah, uh, I mean, it, it's hard to beat the first one, right? Yeah, I mean, that yeah. really spoke to me, uh, you know, in, in first hearing it, right? And yeah. uh, it, it's easy to to relate to. Most people growing up have that that sense that, uh, you know, the world is demanding conformity of them and you have to be a certain way. And, you know, just uh, when you get free of uh, of one set of authority figures, here comes another. Right. Uh, you know, meet the yeah. old boss, the new boss, the same as the old boss kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Uh, so definitely unforgiven original. But but I've, come, I, I've you know, as you, you can gather, come to have a real appreciation for some of the darkness uh and the poetry in the unforgiven two and what i like about unforgiven three is it's really a sort of a midlife crisis song uh where you know it's it's about realizing uh hey you know grow the f up right uh Mm. that uh 
uh, you've spent your, your time uh, not forgiving other people and blaming other people uh, for your problems and the way they've treated you and the way that they forced you to live a certain way. Uh, but uh, the Unforgiven Three has him sort of imagining sort of running away uh, and realizing that running away, uh, he brings himself with him and he himself uh, is the source of his own uh, problems and potential misery and that he really needs to forgive himself for his own uh, you know, choices that have uh, landed him where he is in, in life and you know, nobody's life uh, maybe even Hetfield's uh, amounts to exactly what they would have wanted it to be. And, mm. uh, you know, it is an odd song. I really loved the, uh, the version that they did, uh, where, you know, where, where Hetfield performs it with the symphony and it's just oh, yeah. him back by the symphony. I thought that was really gutsy for a guy who doesn't have a sort of uh, classically right. uh, beautiful voice, you know, tenor or whatever. Really kind of ballsy to to stand up there and uh, and put it out there, and and frankly, yeah, that's the kind of thing uh, that that I'd like to hear more of from him going forward. Uh, you know, none of us are getting any younger, uh, him included, or maybe especially. Uh, so, what's it like, right? What's it like mm. to be aging and and to realize? Uh, that uh, you can't go back and uh, and walk paths that you uh, closed off when you chose differently. What's right. it like looking forward now that you're much closer uh, to uh, to death than you are to your birth and and all of that kind of thing? Uh, yeah. It's it's a weird sort of thing to think of, uh, you know, in in rock in general and metal in particular to think about aging as a, as a theme. But why not, right? Particularly with all the fascination uh, with death that you find uh, in metal. Uh, (laughs) You know, this is not zombies or vampires. This is like, yeah, you're going to die of old age, perhaps (laughs) at some point. What's it look? What's it feel like to be looking at that? You know, take it seriously. Yeah, it's funny too because they actually seem to be going a little bit backwards. Because you know, with the black album, they did slow down with the black and the load and reload. They were like kind of slowing down. And I'm figuring, all right, you know, they're getting older. They're going to really change. But now, like with the last few albums, they've gotten back to what they used to play. So it's kind of they kind of like switched it on us, you know, which is cool. I, I like them to be kind of back doing what they're doing do you like the newer metallica stuff or love it i mean we mentioned death magnetic before i think or maybe that was just you and me talking before things got started Wayne. that i thought that was a great album i thought that's you know one of the great comeback albums uh you know of uh of all time really and uh you know hardwired to self-destruct i enjoy that too I mean, at moments, it can seem a bit forced uh, that they're uh, trying to recapture a sound right. uh, that, uh, you know, uh, has has passed them by. But I appreciate it. I like it a lot better than St. Anger. I like it better uh, than The Loads. And uh, it, it's funny. I've, I've talked to, you know, many Metallica fans through the, the course of, uh, of research and, and writing and just uh, being a fellow fan and, uh, and networking with people and Uh, more than any other band I think you you find that there are fans of all of their albums uh, 
Uh, I mean, St. Anger is, is, is not any of our favorites, I, I, I gather, but there are yeah. people for whom that's their favorite Metallica I, album. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, there are people, you know, if you ask them what's their favorite song, they'll name like Bad Seed off of Reload <laughs> or, you know, uh, right. some, some obscure song off of St. Anger. I mean, it's just amazing. Uh, and, you know, they're not kidding. They're not trying to, you know, put you on or whatever. It, it's just that that spoke to them, you know, in particular at that age, like, you know, right. getting back to one of your earlier questions. I mean, uh, Metallica hit me uh, at 14 and uh, in some ways never let go. Like, you know, what, when you when you have that sort of uh, experience of, of music, I think, in particular at a at uh, an age and it's usually in the teenage years i think i mean it, it really sticks yeah. yeah manny what are you, what are you working manny <laughs> Six. Yeah, he's, he's working <laughs> i don't i think he can't hear us i don't know what he did that's okay. all right whatever uh um, yeah yeah i'm sorry it was having a I was having network issues here, so I was going to try to switch my phone. Oh, uh, uh, oh! So that was what's happening. You're all uh, right now. I'm going to switch to my phone real quick. Okay, sure. Yeah, no I'm going to no switch to my phone. I'll be right back. No problem. Uh, but yeah, even uh, what's the name of that song? Overload. Uh, the mem- not the memory remains. The one until it sleeps. Right. Uh, I didn't realize that was. You uh, think it was? You said it was about his father, right? Yeah, uh, at least inspired by that, right? And, yeah. and, until it sleeps, uh, you know, uh, where where can I take this pain of mine? I run, but it stays right by my side. Uh, it was during the, the time before recording that, that he had uh, some at least limited reconciliation and reunion uh, with his father. Uh, and then... Uh, you know, uh, his father uh, got cancer. Mm. It's not 100% clear to me if his father sought any treatment for the cancer or not. More famously, his mother uh, did not get treatment for cancer when when he was 16. uh, And his father had abandoned the family and his mother ends up dying of cancer when he's 16. And he has to go live with uh, his older brother. yeah, but that, that that that's another sort of uh, and and the, the the creepiness I think uh, in the until it sleeps too is just the the impersonal uh, pronoun there of, uh, of it you know uh, right 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 <laughs> oh yeah yeah definitely yeah yeah I just like from listening reading your book it's just like you I don't really I don't really uh, like think of Metallica you know with these kind of lyrics like really thought provoking lyrics and then listen reading your story about um you know how you perceive the stories to be it's just like all right i, I kind of get it now you know and i never well, really looked at metallica that way you know i just looked at them as a metal band they're either writing about uh, drugs or you know war or drinking so knowing it, that it, it's, it gets it's more deep like watching an action movie right like you, you mentioned one of my my other uh, books was about the matrix and philosophy and right. uh you know people can watch that purely as a, as an action movie and and have a lot of fun with it and enjoyment of it but then there's all kinds of other layers to it uh philosophically that sort of thing and uh i mean uh headfield is uh is far from a prima donna or uh, you know uh, artiste or anything like that so he never 
has made a big deal uh, ab about his lyrics. Uh, but yeah, it, it, he, he, he works very hard at what he does. I mean, uh, he was never really meant to be a singer, right? Mm, uh, right didn't right. want to be a singer. Uh, but, you know, at some point it became clear he's the singer here. And so, I mean, he worked on, on his singing and he made an unorthodox voice into uh, an asset, really very identifiable, uh, really great with his phrasing and, uh, you know, didn't really even want to be a front man. Uh, mm. He was very shy at that early on, but uh, eventually cultivated the front man persona. And I, I have to think the same thing is true uh, with the lyrics, uh, that he would have been just fine uh, if there was somebody else in the band uh, who was going to sing and who was going to write lyrics. But it fell to him. And, and you know, he, he, for the most part, has not done it half-assed. He's really right. uh, just as, uh, you know, he's refined his down-picking uh, technique as a guitar player uh the the lyrics really show very careful word choices and reworking and reflection and and all of that it, it's yeah. all there yeah has anybody from metallica ever read any of your books or gave you any feedback on anything you've done or well i don't know uh if they've uh, if they've read them uh i i have sent them uh, to uh, Metallica headquarters. I, I was trying to get uh, an interview with uh, with Hetfield for this particular book, and that you know the management was very polite and professional, and uh, it just eventually didn't happen, which which was fine. I respect that, uh, but I did send them copies uh, of the book, and uh, you know ho hopefully it will be read. I'd be flattered if uh, if uh, if they did read it, and. Uh, yeah. Manny? No, I was just uh, thinking about some of the early lyrics or whom the bell tolls kind of slightly based on uh, Hemingway's uh, book of the same way. And then you go from that to uh, Unforgiven. It's funny you mentioned that song because it's a song that shows a lot of maturity as artist, but lyrically and lyrically is very, very actually a deeper song than maybe perhaps I definitely gave it credit for. But I thought it was interesting when you compare that to Unforgiven 3. Unforgiven is kind of a, a well, it's point of view of an older man looking back on his life with regret. But as you can tell, it's written by a young man. And Unforgiven 3, he's not an old man, but he's not you know, I think he was in his early 30s, late 20s when he wrote Unforgiven One, you know, and, it, and it's a person reflecting on his life, but not with regret, but with with kind of a grace, you know, like I'm lucky I, I went through this and I survived this. So it's very interesting to me when, when you compare that. And again, if you start with Kill Em All, it's hard to believe that the guy, same guy who wrote The Four Horsemen right. would be the same guy who's capable of writing you know, something like the Unforgiven or, I mean, that, of course, when all of us are not, are very complex people. So it makes sense. But, you know, I just found yeah, that no, the, the, there's real development there. Right. And uh, it would have been easy just to stay at the level of kill them all. Right. I mean, mm, that yeah. was done very well for what it was. And, and there were certainly fans uh, you know, I wasn't in that early, so I don't know from firsthand experience, but there were fans who by the time Ride the Lightning came out thought, oh, my God, they sold out. And, uh, 
you know, we want more of just this heavy, relentless thrash, and we want the fantasy lyrics and that kind of thing. I mean, that they could have kept at that and uh, and done done quite well, uh, but they, they changed. They, you know, they evolved. I, I I didn't always like every change as it was happening, uh, but you know, looking back on it now, I mean, I, I appreciate it. I mean, in particular. Uh, I remember when uh, the Load albums came out and, uh, you know, that was a time uh, as a big metal fan, I felt like metal really needed Metallica uh, Mm -hmm. and Metallica seemed to be running away from metal. And so it was not even so much that I didn't like the music because I liked a lot of it, but it seemed to be, hey, we need you. Uh, And, you know, where are you going? Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's I always look for Metallica for that next, you know, metal. I needed the metal fix, you know, especially at that time with all the grunge and stuff going on. And then, like you right. said, when that load comes out, I'm like, what is this? <laughs> you know, what happened? Right, right. At least there was still some some decent songs in there. I, I actually like those two albums. So I like those albums quite a bit. I used to dislike Reload a lot. Yeah. I always like Load, but I used to really dislike Reload. Now I like it. I don't know what changed because you know it's still the same damn album. Yeah. You know mentioned fantasy lyrics is kind of interesting because metal at that time you had the what at the time consider extreme venom and slayer you know singing about devil or murder or whatever and then you had the uh ronnie james dio type lyrics about fantasy and rainbows in the dark and then you had you know bands like kids who were just singing about you know getting chicks metallica were already were different in that sense even even in kill them all um yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, you had metal militia, kind of silly now, but at the time, but it was still different than what everyone else is doing. I think they were always more musically and lyrically more ambitious than their peers were, and I think that showed in uh, throughout their their career. I don't know, uh, you know. What do you What do you think? Yeah, no, I think that that's right, and that that first album is kind of like a mission statement and a call to arms. I mean, yeah, sort of metal militia is kind of silly, but. Uh, you know, one, one of the things that, that I like about that uh, first album, too, is there's a lot of we on there, uh, a lot of, uh, you know, first person plural, right? It, it's, it's about joining us all together. Uh, you know, they're trying to spread this gospel of, uh, of metal, of thrash, of, of, you know, of Metallica. Uh, and, you know, we're all sort of invited to come along as, uh, as part of it. Uh, yeah, and there's there's just uh, you know they they do avoid uh, Hetfield tried to avoid cliches as much as he could right from the beginning, and so you know he could have easily gone the you know the the Venom Merciful Fate Exodus you know kind of uh, satanic route, and that would have you know he was fans of uh, of those bands that you know it was fine, but it just seemed kind of uh, of a cliche. You know, Sabbath had done the, uh, you know, the romance with the devil kind of thing as best as it was going to be done. And, you know, by the time you get to something like Venom, it's just uh, a cartoon. So uh, the critique of, uh, of religion that starts to come in with Creeping Death and then, uh, you know, Leper Messiah and then the God that failed is, is just much more sophisticated. And also, for the most part, you know, avoids the cliches of misogyny. Uh, there's, there's no, you know, using chicks and all that kind of stuff and, you know, degrading women. There's, there's none of that. I mean, there's, the, the, you know, there's a couple of love songs in there when you, mm. when you look at uh, 
you know, nothing like, else matters and like, you know, a strange kind of love song and unforgiven too. So uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Sophistication there. Nothing else matters is interesting. Yeah, you froze Didn't a little lose bit. Manny? Yeah, a little bit. But uh, can you hear me? Yeah, your signal's pretty bad. I'll uh, put the headphones in in a minute, but I, I was going to say that um, it, it's, uh, you know, the, 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 uh, I like how your chapters split up on here and uh, you got to split up by topics. You've got uh, religion, addiction, uh, death, all of these things that these guys experience, you know, religion, the Christian science, addiction, James Hetfield's, uh, you know, issues are well known as far as, you know, his struggles with that death, death of Cliff Burton. I mean, uh, war on television, ju- justice, uh, even justice fighting against uh, Napster, you know, how they were perceived. Mm. So uh, I think it's, I like the way that you, uh, you split the chapters up on here. Um, I'm glad you didn't go, well, first we're going to start with Kill Em All. I'm glad that you kind of jumped around. Um, you know, trying to find different. Well, I don't know if you found, but did you like make a list and go, all right, these are songs about religion, or is this something that came to you as you were writing, or how did that work? Yeah, yeah. Th- thanks for that, and, th- and thanks for the for the question. It it had started off not as a book, uh, but uh, I, I was writing about. Uh, uh, I, I blogged for PsychologyToday.com, and I was writing about a book called Educated, written by this woman. Tara Westover, who was raised as a, a Mormon fundamentalist. And as I was writing about this book, I was quoting from The God That Failed. Uh, and it, it, it took on a life of its own that I, I was writing more about uh, Metallica and religion than I was writing about this book that I was supposed to be writing about. And so the first chapter in the book about religion just sort of started that way. And then once I got through with, with this long bit on Metallica and religion, uh, a, a big theme in there was was self-deception and self-deception as a theme led me to thinking about, well, addiction is really all about self-deception. And, and so many of these songs in Metallica are about uh, addiction and self-deception. And so uh, what, what I what I have in the book or I, I, try, I hope to have is, yeah, not a catalog of here's every song on Ride the Lightning and what I right. think it's about and on to the next album. That's what I thought uh, it was going to be before I got it. I was like, all right, it's you know, going to yeah, be like that. But yeah. I mean, and that would make sense. But uh, what, what the, one of the best compliments that I've gotten about the book was, was someone uh, who told me that uh, reading it was like having a conversation uh, right. with me. I agree. Uh, I agree but, with that. Yeah. And it's the kind of conversation we're having now where one topic can lead to the next, right? We're talking about one song and, and, and that leads to the next. Uh, and, you know, uh, a, a conversation like this that we're having is, is free flowing and who knows where we're going to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the book, I can clean up the mess a little bit more uh, afterwards, you know, and organize it. So it was, it was messy uh, or more messy in the draft form, but hopefully uh, by the form that it gets to in the book is is compact and and the connections make some sense and uh you know i I invite the reader to think of himself herself as uh you know partner in a conversation with me and part of that includes the invitation that i make explicitly in the uh the intro to the book and the conclusion 
to get in touch with me, you know, whether you're listening to this podcast now or you're reading the book uh, and you disagree with something I said, you think I got it wrong, you think I left something out, by all means, get in touch with me. I don't, you know, consider this to be the last word on Metallica or anything like that. Uh, a good book should be a conversation starter and never a mm. conversation ender. Right. And so that's what it's about as far as I'm concerned. Have you had anybody come to you saying that, you know, you, they think of something is wrong that you did? I, I haven't gotten the wrong yet, but I'm no. sure those are coming. Uh, <laughs> you know, I've, I've gotten a couple of nice, hey, I didn't know about this song or I hadn't thought about it uh, this way. Uh, I, I think uh, what what I've, uh, I've heard more informally from people just from uh, talking about it and letting them know what to expect. Right. Certain songs that I don't include that they really like would like to be in there, right? So yeah. a couple of songs from Load uh, that are uh, real fan favorites, especially fans who are diehard Load fans, are uh, Bleeding Me mm. and uh, The Outlaw Torn. And I, I didn't include either of those because I didn't find them fitting into the, the themes that, that I was considering. Plus, I, I find them sort of uh, vague and evocative rather than clear uh, in terms of a definite subject matter and storytelling uh, mm. that, that, I could, uh, that I could work into the book. But, you know, I'd love to hear from anybody uh, listening to the podcast or reading the book uh, telling me, well, bleeding me, you have to understand it this way or that way, or this is what it always meant to me. I mean, that, that's the kind of stuff that really jazzes me. Mm. Uh, and I'd love to hear from people about. Where can people go to, uh, like what's your email address they can write to? Yeah, yeah. So uh, the email address is, is just my name, William Irwin, I-R-W-I-N, at kings, K-I-N-G-S dot E-D-U. That's a college that I teach at. Uh, or if you do Twitter, uh, I'm at, at William Irwin 38. I don't like Twitter battles and that kind of stuff, but anybody <laughs> should feel free to DM me about anything. I'd love to hear from you. And, you know, those are probably the best ways to get me. All right, cool. Yeah, tw- Twitter is a very dangerous place. I, I, <laughs> I, I got to stay away from Twitter sometimes. <laughs> I, have to, I have to leave in a few minutes, but uh, Mr. Irwin, I want to Oh, connection is so bad. <laughs> I want to thank you. For That's what happens in Florida. Me. I really enjoy. It. I apologize. I uh, can you, yeah, I'm in Florida. So yeah, I just wanted. To, I have to. Leave, I have to leave in a few minutes, but I wanted to thank you for your time and uh, for this book. I really enjoyed it. And you write another one. I hope you come back on with us. Any you know? time, Manny. Thank you so much for taking a look at the book and for your thoughtful questions. And great to be with you. Yeah. Uh, no problem and uh and thank you again and thank you wayne too. yeah no problem and is there one song that you wish that you could have got or is there maybe like a song that you, um that you like had written out but you just didn't get it in the book or anything like that i i would say uh what what i was a little disappointed in myself for not being able to pull off was uh the the cthulhu songs uh so the thing that should not be uh and the newer one on uh on hardwired to self-destruct i'm, I'm blanking on the uh the Ooh. title right now can't think of that one, yeah. but uh, i don't remember yeah i don't yeah. know that one yeah yeah but uh so it, it would have been fun to to bring the to bring something in there but but i didn't really find a way of uh of interpreting it it just seemed you know sort of like straightforward 
uh, out of the Cthulhu mythology. So yeah, yeah. but that's an, that's another kind of thing where it would be fun, uh, you know, to hear from uh, from fellow fans who you know, have have thoughts about the way in which. Uh, you know, Hetfield's lyrics have interpreted or transformed the Cthulhu mythology. I, I just couldn't find a way to do anything with that myself. Yeah. Well, maybe next, maybe another book. Maybe do another one. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> well, I really enjoyed the book. The book is The Meaning of Metallica, Ride the Lyrics uh, by William Irwin. And uh, thank you, William, for coming on the show. Yeah, I, th- thanks so much for having me, man. I, I wish mean, you, uh, uh, I, not, that you uh, not that you really need all the luck. I was, you know, you've been writing books forever, but good it's luck dream, with the book. It's Dream No More. I had to look up the day. Oh, okay. The I can't even think what that song, song sounds like. So I you got the remember. thing that should not be, and then you have Dream No More off of uh, Hardwired to Self Destruct. Right. Anyway, I'll have to go back and listen to that because I, I really don't remember that song. Yeah, I don't yeah, yeah. It, 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 it explicitly had. The thing that should not be, you might not uh, otherwise recognize as a Cthulhu song, but uh, in uh, Dream No More, it says Cthulhu Awakens. Okay. I'll go back and listen to it. Yeah, 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 it's pretty cool. Uh, Is there any other metal bands you might be thinking of doing next? Well, you you know, in the the series of Anne Philosophy books, I had uh, Black Sabbath and, uh, and Philosophy. Uh, are you guys like Sabbath fans? He's a Sabbath fan. He's oh, a, yeah, that's where Rat Salad came from. Yeah. Oh, I'm a huge Sabbath. I mean, yeah. I'm such a Sabbath fan. I like, I'm such a Sabbath fan. I even like the Tony Martin era, so I like it all. So. <laughs> oh, wow. That is, that's saying something. Yeah. yeah I'm also yeah. Uh, trying to hook you up with another guy, another podcaster, uh, Ralph Vieira. He's he, actually, his YouTube channel was dedicated to Black Sabbath. Oh, so. wow. So you'll be very, uh, ha- you'll have a lot of fun talking to him. He's really oh, cool. that, that's awesome. I appreciate yeah. the help and the connections there. Yeah, no, it's yeah. I, I gave uh, your uh, your uh, I can't think of her name off the top of my head, but yeah, I gave her a Claire, bunch of people. The, the yeah, Claire. Yep, right. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I gave her That's a bunch awesome. of people to contact for you to go on. So uh, yeah, yeah well, you, you guys got the whole rat salad network going here. It's not yeah. just the show. Yeah, no, I got everybody you're trying to help. You know, the little guys out, and you know, trying to get the podcast going. You know, so no, it's great. I try to help out uh, as many people as I can. But uh, thank you again very much for coming on the show and uh, good luck with the book and everything else. And yeah, hopefully yeah. we get to have you on again for anything. You know, yeah, any, anytime. You guys are a blast to talk to. All right. Thank really you. enjoyed it. Okay. All right. Rat salad, guys. Rat salad. Yeah. Rat salad review. And we will Rat see you guys review. next week. I don't know what we're doing next week, but we'll be here and you should be here too. All right. See you then. Bye. Right. See Looking for some new podcasts to listen to? Well, look no further than the Ratsal Review Network. Ratsal Review is taking over the podcast world with plenty of shows to choose from within their network of entertaining programming, including the flagship show, Ratsal Review, with Wayne Noon, Greg Noggle, and Lou Mavs, as well as occasional co-hosts Manny Mejias and James Lilquist. We also have the official Ratsal Review spin-offs, such as Album vs. Album, Screams from the Grave, where we discuss beloved yet forgotten hard rock and metal albums of the past, and a King Diamond podcast called This Broadcast Belongs to Them. We've also got Old Man Metal's Musings, the Metal Thrashing Nerd podcast with Metal Thrashing Mike, the Timo Toki podcast featuring Stradivarius and Avalon founding member Timo Toki, the BS Sessions with Mark and Jerry, 
Just the Cheese Please, a podcast dedicated to cheesy films of the 1980s with Tara J and Adam. And the Music is Live podcast with Lou Mavs. The Ratsaw Review Network is your go-to one-stop shop for the best podcasts out there today. Go to RatsawReview.com for more info. And to find out where you can find, follow, subscribe, and comment on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and all streaming platforms. The Ratsaw Review Network. We're We're taking over. over.